Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip Kingflow, the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, learns about our barriers, and helps us discover the tools and strengths we need for self-advocacy. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. The Autism Society of Minnesota has been serving Minnesota's autism community for the past 50 years. Visit them online at AUSM.org. Please go to todaysautisticmoment.com, to the new podcast episodes page, and or the episode index page, to get updates, download shows, program scripts, and interview transcripts. Interview transcripts are sponsored by GT Independence. Also, please follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Be sure to become a member of Today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook, where you can meet me, other listeners, exchange conversations, and find program updates, news about subscriptions and bonuses, upcoming shows, and take advantage of special offers. Please help spread the word about today's autistic moment with other autistic adults, caregivers, professionals, families with autistic youth, and others who support autistic people. Do you know of other autistic adults or caregivers who are worried about preparing for the sensory unfriendly holidays? Then tell them to listen to my episode with Zephyr James. Perhaps you know autistic adults who need information about dating, romantic relationships, sexuality, or the issue of consent. Tell them to listen to the two episodes with Leah Bauman-Smith about autistic adults, dating, romantic relationships, and sexuality, and let's talk about consent. Today's Autistic Moment is available on nine different apps, so please share my show with others to help me grow my listener audience. I would also like my listeners to send me an email with some comments about ways in which today's Autistic Moment has been helpful to you. I would like to add some of those comments to my website. Send an email to pklowe at todaysautisticmoment.com with a comment and then let me know if you give me your permission to use it on my website. Thank you. After my last show, Substance Abuse Addiction, I am happy to welcome David Gray Hammond back to talk about autistic adults' substance abuse recovery. The holiday season is among us. Our sensory processing disorders are being challenged by such things as holiday parties and dinners. The news about the variants of COVID-19 are making us tense and worried about what to do. 
Many autistic adults are alone during the holidays, and with a pandemic that has interrupted our social support networks, the isolation is more intense than ever. If your life has been affected by substance abuse addiction as a way of coping with your many needs that are not being met, recovery is an uphill battle. David will tell us of what his journey to sobriety has been like for him. David will mention the types of recovery programs that weren't prepared to work with autistic people. Even if your autistic needs are not the same, you may find some of his thoughts very helpful for your recovery journey. After this first commercial break, I will begin my conversation with David Gray Hammond. Stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and TuneIn. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services. Please join me in welcoming back David Gray Hammond as we begin our conversation about autistic adults, substance abuse recovery. So David, uh, thank you for returning to this episode, this episode of today's Autistic Moment. We spent the last episode talking about substance abuse addiction for autistic adults. And uh, there was so much information. And so I feel very strongly that we need to back that up with a separate episode about addiction recovery. And so that's why um, I've, had, I've had you come back. Um, and so we're going to talk about that today. So let us begin with my first question. Uh, what important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about in terms of 
substance addiction recovery? Um, so for me, things that were important to know was that we face extra challenges as autistic people when it comes to entering addiction recovery. Um, in particular, we we have to we have to cope with uh, our monotropic minds. Now, um, there, there is a theory called monotropism that was uh, posited by um, Dr. Dinah Murray. And uh, basically, we have minds that want to hyper-focus on, mm-hmm. on one thing at a time. And for me, when I was in addiction... Um, when I was still in active addiction, uh, my monotropic mind wanted to hyperfixate on substance use. Everything in my life was about substance use. You know, what drugs am I taking? What doses am I taking? How do they affect me? You know, what do these different combinations of drugs do to me? What's the most I can take before I end up needing the hospital? Um, and I treated myself like a science experiment. And it became kind of like a twisted, abusive love affair with substances. And entering recovery, it was really difficult to shift my mind out of the substance use train of thought. I had to, I had to have this moment of clarity where I realized what I was doing to myself. And then I could focus my my mind, I could hyperfixate on recovery rather than active addiction. Um, and actually that that ability to hyperfixate, I think has helped me greatly in recovery. but um, it was a challenge getting into that mindset. The other thing that I think it's important for autistic people to know is that sadly, very few, if any, uh, treatment services are designed with autistic and or neurodivergent people in mind. Um, you know, when you go to substance misuse services, and I do believe there's a place for them, and I do believe they're important in recovery, but often they will not be aware of how best to support an autistic addict. They will not be aware of the particular struggles that we face. And they, they won't necessarily be equipped to support us in the way that they're equipped to support the neurotypical population. Give us kind of a, a snapshot, if you will, as to what changing that hyper-focus was like for you. Uh, do you have a kind of an idea of how... Of of how long that probably took you? What what was that process like for you? So it was around about the end of September when I had my moment of clarity. Um, I woke up in hospital in the resuscitation room. I'd nearly died of an overdose. And I just suddenly went, I can't do this anymore. I want to live. And I got myself into a detox ward Uh, in a psychiatric hospital um, through the local substance misuse service. Um, I 
started the process of detoxing as an inpatient and I detoxed off of most of the substances I was on as an inpatient but then after that I had to finish detoxing off of my Subutex prescription in the community uh, for anyone who doesn't know Subutex is an alternative to methadone for opioid addicts um, it was during that period of the community detox that I had to sort of shift my thinking and this was really difficult because as I said prior um i was in a sort of twisted love affair with substances um so i had to go it was it was like breaking up with the love of your life and going through a grieving process um and i had to deal with the pain of leaving the substances behind which i really didn't want to do but having to teach myself that actually the substances never did anything good for me um they 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 were destroying me but i'd been so hyper fixated on the substances that i'd failed to see the damage i was doing to myself until that moment when i woke up in hospital and went hey wait a minute this isn't right um and it it was really really difficult um mm. You know, I, I had to completely change my lifestyle. I had to cut out certain social connections who were encouraging me to stay with the substance use, which, as we all know, as autistic people, can be a really tough decision to make because some of us really struggle to make those social connections. So to then have to burn those bridges for your own good can be really painful because it feels like you're alone in the world. And as I said, you know, leaving the substances behind, it was, it was like leaving the love of my life behind because at mm. the time they were all I had, right. you know, it, th that, that was all that was keeping me tethered to my sanity, except I'd already long left that behind, but mm. I just couldn't see it because of the substances. And you know, then obviously I had to cope with my worsening mental health because there was something they don't warn you about, you know, addiction recovery is that your mental health gets worse before it gets better. And my mental health got really bad. And when, when I did finally achieve sobriety, within a month I was back in the psychiatric ward um, because I had a full-blown psychotic episode. I, I already had a history of psychotic symptoms, but... I was hearing voices, I was experiencing delusions, um, I was deeply paranoid, and, you know, no one warned me that this might happen when I entered recovery, and, you know, it made me think to myself when I realized what I'd been through, you know, was it really worth it, and the truth is, yes, it was, um, because I'm here, I'm alive today, and I get to speak to people like you and share my story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you shared of how how challenging it was for you to find groups where they could understand you as an autistic. Uh, and 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 let's um, use this as an opportunity to cross into my second question. Um, what are the barriers for autistic adults 
when it comes to substance abuse recovery. And, you know, one of those barriers you're naming is um, finding support groups or, or su supportive groups uh, that will understand or, or understand how to work with autistic people. So why don't we talk about that as the first part of talking about barriers, because that sounds like a good barrier to me. <clears throat> So I, I tried uh, three different things um, in my recovery journey. Um, first of all, I tried the 12-step program. Now, this is a contentious subject because people who are in the 12-step program are very protective of it. But for me, it was completely inappropriate. Um, it, it did not work for me as an autistic person. <clears throat> the social demands were too high the sensory experience in the rooms was uncomfortable to put it very politely um the expectation to to share your journey um i just wasn't ready for that at the stage of recovery i was in and there were little things in the 12 steps you know like uh before the meeting you know everyone would be greeting you and they'd be hugging you and making coffee and stuff and it it was all very overwhelming as an autistic person new into recovery my mental health in not a great place and i would often have to run off to the toilets to center myself to stop myself having a meltdown in public um but what this actually meant was that i i no one ever voiced it but i could tell that people thought i was running to the toilets to use substances and that wasn't what i was doing you know, I was in there because I could not cope with the environment of the 12-step program. Also, I had problems with some of the things that the big book said. I found some of the things that the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, which is what all the 12-step programs tend to work by, um, I found some of the content in there legitimately ableist and not particularly neurodiversity affirming. Right. I also, so Go ahead. I, also tried, um, I also tried uh, group therapy, group psychotherapy. But once again, the, the group environment was too much of a demand for me. Um, I found it very difficult to, to really engage with it. And <clears throat> there were people in those groups that clearly saw a vulnerability in me and were willing to try and take advantage of that. And luckily I caught that before it got too far, but it was not a safe environment for me. And then I also had some one-to-one -one therapy from which focused more on my mental health concerns because, you know, it was very much the belief, well, if we, if we treat the, the mental health concerns that led to the addiction, then we can we can treat the addiction and uh i will say that was moderately helpful i had i had some psychotherapy one-to-one -one. actually i had extensive psychotherapy one-to-one -one over a period of several years and it's been very helpful to me in some senses and in others not so much um because once again it was not designed with autistic people in mind After this next commercial break, 
I will continue my conversation with David Gray Hammond. Stay tuned. GT Independence is a national leader in financial management services for self-directed in-home and community-based long-term support. With self-direction, you have the right to live the life you choose, regardless of age or ability, in your own home or community. At GT Independence, our job is to help make self-direction easy. With self-direction, you make all the important choices, like who to hire, when to schedule support, how to manage your care, and even who to fire if things aren't working out. We take care of the administrative details, including Medicaid waivers, new employee paperwork, taxes, and paychecks. Founded in 2004, GT Independence is a disability-owned business that's proud to have assisted more than 25,000 people in receiving self-directed care from the safety of their own homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. By removing the increased risk of group living settings, self-directed care saved lives. To learn more about GT Independence and how to self-direct care in your state, visit www.gtindependence.com. life be great if everything fell in place. Sometimes our lives need a little rearranging. One of the most challenging times is when we experience a major transition, such as job exploration, moving to a new place, or simply when you are defining your path in life. During these challenging times, individuals can feel like there's a great river between you and where you want to go. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps carve a path to the destination that's right for you then lay the stepping stones so you can accomplish your goals. Visit us at lookingforwardlc.org for more information. eventually find something that worked so i sort of took bits and pieces from all the things i did including the 12-step program and uh, i found the best thing for supporting my sobriety was to intentionally live an altruistic life and um, do everything i could to help others because when i was in addiction i was a fundamentally selfish person and the only way i could change the way I thought about the world and interacted with the world 
was to teach myself to go the other way and and be more altruistic so if i was finding it particularly hard on a on a on a day to to stay away from substances i would go out of my way to find someone else to help nice. and <clears throat> doing this distracted my mind from the craving to use and also gave me the reward of knowing that i did something good um and it helped fulfill you know this empty space i had inside of me and it it made sobriety a lot easier. Yeah. What kinds of challenges did you have um, with your sensory processing during recovery? Um, because, of course, our sensory uh, processing requires a lot of what's repetitious. Um, you know, and so I'm interested to know how that may have played a barrier in your recovery. So in early recovery, it was very difficult because I was in recovery from uh, opioids and benzodiazepines in particular, which are central nervous system depressants. So they dull your sensory experience. Um, so when I stopped using them, my sensory experience became a million times more intense especially during the withdrawal period. And at the time, I was not part of the autistic community. I did not understand my autistic self. And I felt broken because I could not cope with anything. I, I could not leave the house. I could barely leave my bedroom. Um, I had to closely control my sensory environment. Um, it made it very difficult attending uh, appointments at the substance misuse service because there were smells and lights and sounds, and, you know, and it was a very intense sensory experience. The 12 step program, you know, the chairs were uncomfortable, the lights were fluorescent. Um, and truthfully, it was when I'd, I'd already been sober a little while when this happened, but I discovered the autistic community and I, I, it, shortly after I was diagnosed, which was about seven months after achieving sobriety. And uh, it changed my life because I learned about my autistic self and I learned how to accommodate my needs. Um, I learned how to advocate for myself. <clears throat> and it just, it turned things around for me. Um, I, I, I learned to stim freely and not be ashamed of it. I learned to start taking the mask off, which took a great deal of pressure off of me. And I, that's, that's why one of the big things I will always tell people to do if they're in addiction recovery or entering recovery is, is to, go, you know, if, if you're autistic and, and an addict, go, go into the autistic community, learn about your autistic self, learn about your needs, your struggles, your strengths, because that knowledge really is power when it comes to recovering from addiction. Right. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, one subject that you and I did not talk about in the... Uh, and the last episode um, is about the issue of the, 
the holiday seasons of which we are in. Um, you know, the last episode was just before Thanksgiving. This one is between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, let's talk about about, um, about what the holidays uh, can be like for autistic adults who are struggling with both addiction, abuse, and recovery. Let's talk a little bit about that for their, their sake, please. So the holidays can be an incredibly lonely time. Um, it's a time when we see everyone surrounded by friends and family and loved ones. And I think many autistic people especially have contentious relationships with those who are supposed to be closest to them. Um, you know, many of us um, don't have good relationships with family, may not have loads of friends or loved ones around us. And when we're, you know, everywhere we go, we are reminded of this, you know, TV programs showing people getting together for Thanksgiving and Christmas and or whatever holiday it is that that you're celebrating, you know, it, it, it can be soul crushing. Um, and that that makes for a dangerous environment for addicts, whether they're still in active addiction or in recovery, because in active addiction, it can increase your substance use and put you at risk of things like overdoses, which if you are on your own and there's no one around you, an overdose could potentially be deadly. And if you're in recovery, the temptation to go running back to your old coping mechanisms can be very intense. And that's also a risk because if you're in recovery, the chances are that your tolerance to the substances that you used has lowered, which increases once again, the chance of overdose. So the holidays can, you know, can really be a risk to the lives of people who are experiencing addiction or are new to recovery. Even people like me, I'm, I'm nearly six years into recovery and, I know if I was on my own during the holidays, it would be a really difficult time for me to stay sober. Not to mention the holidays is just a time of the year when people take it as an excuse to drink and drink and drink. You know, it, 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 it's all around you, everywhere you go. And, you know, that it's really important that if you know someone who is an addict in recovery or not, you need to reach out to them and make sure they're all right during the holidays. Because yeah. they won't necessarily reach out to you. Yeah, I did a uh, I did a show just before these two um, with Zephyr James, someone I know, and we we did talk about preparing for the sensory unfriendly holidays. The holidays are full of everything from from food, some of which we don't care to smell. It's it's you know crowds and and parties and. Um, you know, all sorts of things that are kind of coming on. And, and uh, you know, I, I tend to think that the holiday seasons with all of that sensory input um, can, be, can be additionally challenging if one is recovering from substances. Absolutely. I, I mean... <clears throat> You're, you're absolutely right. The sensory experience of the holidays, the social experience of the holidays, everything about the holidays is can can be really quite offensive to the autistic psyche, and not in a I'm offended kind of way, in a 
physically offensive kind of way it, it can be like an attack on our minds yeah um, on, on our senses and you know all of these things together you know loneliness uh sensory trauma um social struggles you know right. it, all of this adds together and creates an environment where it's very difficult for an addict not to go running to their their old habits yeah you know you know uh judy endow who is a great uh presenter about sensory processing describes sensory processing is <clears throat> as kind of like a glass and that each each input that creates a complication for the sensory is like a drop of water and the water and the thing is is that especially during the holidays there's just drops of water going in and in and in and in and then what what causes the overload is when that last drop hits the top of the glass and everything just just spills over you know and so and so uh, the holidays are are just such a time of of like I say, all of this input coming in at one time, and it's so easy for that that glass to overfill and just spill on out. And like I say, um, you know, uh, don't mean to sound tempting here, but substances are the kinds of things where you where one goes sometimes to to get relief from some of that. And so, again, I would imagine that the barrier here is is just no it just i have to find something else to relieve i can't just run to whatever it was and so i would you know again and part of that is is the whole routine changing the whole all the things that happen to autistics to refocus themselves on something that is healthier that is better for than those substances one reached for absolutely and that's going to look different for every person you know for me um it looks very much like um uh i i volunteer every year um managing a community christmas lunch that um i uh you know i i organize this community christmas lunch because my my mother's a priest she she has a church in a little village we organize we use the the church hall to have a community christmas lunch where um, people can come if they've got nowhere else to go if they're likely to go without on Christmas Day they come to us and we feed them and that's my act of altruism during the holidays that helps me get through the holidays because the I have to plan it for months and you know and then I have to execute it on the day and it it helps to keep me driven and focused on doing things that are good and not going running back to my old habits yeah and now finally we turn to um what are some steps that autistic adults and our supporters need to take to advocate for our needs and you uh started earlier on the whole the whole part of um of gaining a greater self-knowledge of yourself as an autistic person when that mask comes off, when you let go of trying to hide it, um, you then begin to find some peace within yourself or find the, the strengths within yourself. As you begin to answer this question, David, I would like you to talk perhaps about 
as you were working through your recovery, how, what did you discover might be your autistic strengths for helping you through the addiction recovery or helping you through that addiction recovery? Uh, give us some, give us some talking about that sort of thing, sir. Well, I've talked about how, you know, one of the greatest struggles with entering recovery was my monotropic mind, but it was also one of my greatest strengths, that ability to hyperfixate on my goal and focus on nothing but achieving it um, really, really helped me out. Um, you know, what some might call rigid and repetitive thinking gave me the discipline to stay away from substances and find other ways of supporting my well-being ways that weren't actually doing me harm in the long run and i learned to be at peace with my sensory experiences i created sensory environments that were pleasing to me where i could escape for a short while i i unlearned my internalized ableism so that I could safely remove the mask and be proud to be autistic. Um, because it, uh, not many people really know this about me, but there was a time when I would have quite happily taken a cure for my autism if it had existed, because I was so filled with internalized ableism. Um, but I overcame that, and I overcame that by finding the autistic community. And I think that right there is the greatest strength that any autistic person can have is the autistic community that surrounds us if we just go on a computer right yeah yeah it's it is so very important for autistic people to network with each other um and that's one of those things that i often hope that i help achieve through through my podcast here is you know um i i do encounter so many um individuals and caregivers who are in places where they really do not have as many resources available to them to assist them in what whatever way so hopefully my podcast sort of gives a little little hand with some of that but um yeah and so hyper focusing on on recovery was very was very powerful for you um but you know um You know, that, that piece about good self-knowledge as in knowing, I always say this, being becoming the expert about your particular autism and the expert about communicating and telling your stories. Um, and so maybe talk a little bit about how recovery uh, for you has been an opportunity to tell your stories. Well, you see, when I entered recovery, I, I, saw, I went to the internet and I was looking for stuff written by autistic addicts and there was nothing. Mm. So I took it upon myself to put something there. Um, and that's why I do what I do. I want to be the person that I needed back then um, because I remember how alone I felt as an autistic addict. And I don't want any other autistic addict to feel that way. So I've taken recovery as an opportunity to tell my story to 
anyone who will listen um anyone who needs to listen anyone who wants to listen and it's been such a powerful experience for me because so many people come to me and say you know i i love your blog i love your facebook page you know you talk about this stuff you're it's so important what you talk about and you know it's something that i talk about often with other advocates is that none of us set out to become advocates or academics or activists it we just sort of fell into it because we were the only ones telling our stories and here we are today you know i'm i'm doing podcasts i'm doing live streams i'm writing you know i'm i'm even starting work on a on a book a non-fiction for you um and uh it's it's such a powerful experience to be able to tell your story especially when you've been through the things that i've been through um yes. and you know i you know i've i've ex- i've expanded and grown in what i talk about as well like at the moment uh, myself and another advocate tanya adkin are co-writing a series on my blog called creating autistics or T- creating autistic suffering and that series is really about where these poor outcomes for autistic people come from and ultimately we're going to look at what can we do to change society and the environment that autistic people are in to stop these poor outcomes in this next commercial break you will hear about future shows especially as i prepare to begin my second season of today's autistic moment in 2022 followed by the conclusion of my conversation with David Gray Hammond and today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Stay tuned. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at micommunity.org. This is Leah from Mad Hatter Wellness. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about consent for a moment. Consent starts with asking. Ask the person for permission. Step two, listen to the person's answer. Step three, they might say yes or no. Respect whatever answer they give. Some people give consent using words like, okay, sure, yes, yep. Some people give consent using body language, a thumbs up, a head nod, a fist bump. Some people use assistive technology to communicate consent. They may type in or have phrases already in place in their assistive tech device that might say, no, thank you, maybe tomorrow, or okay, 
Yes, there are lots of different ways people may give consent. Asking for consent is important in all types of relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, a family member, or a work relationship. Asking someone whether they want to do something with you is an important part of a healthy relationship. The 24th and final episode of today's Autistic Moment in 2021 will be on December 20th, Autistic Adults, Internet Safety. There is no doubt about it, the internet is a lot of fun. Social media, chat rooms, texting, dating, and gaming can make social connections easier. However, the internet is full of predators who know more about us than we know about them. Tass Cronby will join me to give us some helpful advice about watching out for risky emails, chat or text contacts, sales schemes, and social media posting. I want to thank all of my sponsors, guests, and listeners for my first season of today's Autistic Moment. This has been a great first year the show will get better and better as we begin 2022. The first show in 2022 will be on January 10th. The episode will be the medical and social models of autism. In the medical model, autism is a neurological developmental disorder. In order to receive disability benefits, support services, and social support, Autistics are known by a medical pathology, a pathology that makes us second-class citizens. In the social model, we have the movement for neurodiversity. Autistics and other individuals with conditions like ADHD are capturing our diversity as neurodivergence to work towards a society of equality and equity. Dr. Scott Frassard will join me to talk about why the medical and social models are important, and how the neurodiversity movement is helping autistics reach for our full potential in life. Other shows in 2022 will be focused on eating disorders and trauma. In honor of March being Women's History Month, there will be one podcast about adult autistic women. The other will be on the subject of autistic postmenopausal women. Author Eric Garcia of the book We're Not Broken Changing the Autism Conversation will be my guest to begin Autism Acceptance Month in April. Lyric Holmans, the neurodivergent rebel, will join me to talk about masking and burnout. And lastly, David Gray Hammond will return to talk about overcoming internalized ableism. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment and sharing the show with others.
Welcome back. Before the commercial break, I was talking with David about how he is telling his story about substance abuse recovery as an autistic person. During this last segment, I will be asking him for information about his blog. Can you give us the uh, address for your blog again, please? Yes, it's emergentdivergence.com. I'm also on Facebook as Emergent Divergence, Addiction and Mental Health and the Autistic Experience. Um, and I can also be found on Twitter, um, uh, just under the name David Gray Hammond. Uh, I'm also on Instagram as Emergent Divergence. I'm on TikTok as Emergent Divergence. Honestly, I'm everywhere at the moment. Yes. I'm even on yeah. LinkedIn, which is how you found me, I exactly. believe. Um, so yeah, but if you want to find my blog, which houses all my writing, go to emergentdivergence.com. Divergence. Okay. And emergent divergence is all one word. Yeah. Emergent divergence, all one word. Yeah. Okay. Well, David, I am so very grateful to you for doing this um, for both the last show and this one. Um, as I've been working through my podcast and um, looking for ways to uh, help autistic adults, um, I felt that I needed to do a couple of shows on addiction and recovery. Um, we know that the issue of opioids is, is, a, is especially um, it's drawing attention uh, in the area where I live, where there's there's been a lot of work to uh, provide resources for people regarding opioids. But I don't think um, there's been a much attention, of course, to people on the autistic spectrum. Before we conclude, have you seen any uh, statistical information about um, autistics and abuse to certain substances or any number of substances versus the rest of the general public. Have you seen anything like that? So there is very limited research on autistic people and substance use, but there was one particular paper I saw written by, I believe the name was Elizabeth Weir. And uh, basically what the study found was that autistic people are far more likely to self-medicate self with substances than the non-autistic population yeah yeah i think that's important so what i'm going to do uh to my listeners um these resources that david is mentioning they're going to appear on the adult autism resources links page of today's autistic moment.com because i really want my listeners to have access to these things um so you might not need to go quite searching as much for them David, uh, thank you so much for doing this. And I, I do hope this has been a good experience for you. Um, wow, your journey is, is really impressive. And um, I can't thank you enough for this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. You're welcome. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. There will be one class Understanding Autism and Best Strategic Practices offered from the Autism Society of Minnesota, 
The virtual class will be held on Monday, December 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. The class is free of charge to attend. On December 14th, the Autism Society of Minnesota will host Jason Shellack, the Executive Director of the Autism Advocacy and Law Center, LLC, the Virtual Skill Shop, Guardianship, Do We Need It? 18 years of age is considered adulthood. Many autistic adults over the age of 18 will continue to need assistance with transition services, making medical decisions, and applying for government benefits. Learn about the guardianship process in Minnesota. On Tuesday, January 11, 2022, beginning 7 to 9 p.m., the Autism Society of Minnesota presents the virtual skill shop entitled Supported Decision Making, What Is It? why you might need it, and how it works. The presenter is Maya Park. Register now for the Winter Autism Direct Support Certification classes. Classes will be on Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. January 15th, 22nd, and 29th, 2022. Space is now limited, so contact Awesome soon if you want to attend. Finally, the Autism Society of Minnesota and the Multicultural Autism Action Network, MAN, and Spiro Academy are partnering with Hennepin Healthcare to offer a sensory-friendly COVID-19 vaccine clinic on Saturday, December 18th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Spiro Academy in Minneapolis. Vaccines will be available for children five years old and up, and booster shots available for those who were vaccinated at least six months ago. For more information about these and other events by the Autism Society of Minnesota, go to AUSM.org. If you have any questions for me, please send an email to PKLOWE at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult.